the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into Hour 2. It is a delight to have in studio with me uh, one of the great uh, political analysts, experts, consultants in the country. He lives here. His name is George Kaloff, and he is the head of um, the Resolute Group, based here in Phoenix, uh, Projects Nationwide, and Data Orbital as well, president of Data Orbital. And uh, going to talk some politics this hour. Take your calls, any calls you want, 602-508-0960, any political thoughts you have. Larry, um, George, is a, a close listener of the show, and he was calling to weigh in on something I was talking about in the last hour with regard to Larry Elder being on a uh, popular broadcast called uh, The Breakfast Club and how one of his interrogators, because it wasn't an interview, it was an interrogation of Larry Elder's, one of his interrogators refused to accept Larry's position, Larry Elder's position, that there was uh, that there is no systemic racism in this country. And he gave her piece of evidence after piece of evidence, you know, in that wonderful way only Larry Elder can do. She was accepting none of it. And so I was taking some calls on this, and this also person named Larry from Tempe called in and wanted to raise it. So if it's okay, I'd like to do that with Let's you do before. It. Yeah, you betcha. Larry in Tempe, nice to hear from you, Larry. Welcome to the show. You're on with me and George Kaloff. Hello, Seth. Hello, George. Uh, so, Seth, a point that I think of when I hear stories like this, and there's several different issues within going on within our country right now that always make me think this. And one cliche or term I use is none so blind as one who will not see, but you could say it other ways. You could say you'll believe whatever you want to believe, yeah, regardless of facts and truth. And this is one of those issues, racism, systemically racist, that, you know, if we were systemically racist, how could Barack Obama have been elected president at all? Yeah. You know, not just simply how would we have found ways to get him out of office? He wouldn't have been elected at all. Yeah. So that's one of the issues. The other is the the transgender issue, yes. where you can believe these days you're whatever gender you choose out of the 40 or 50 that are available, regardless of what anatomy and physiology may say. And then the other is one that I heard Dennis talk about a while back, in which the, the short version would be right is no longer right wrong is okay right the wrong is right yeah and that was referring to several cases around the country where people employees who worked at retail businesses were fired because they tried to stop shoplifting yes and how something like shoplifting such as in san francisco not going to prosecute it right that type of activity is just looked as okay. You know, forget it. Don't don't do anything about it. It's better to ignore it, in essence, which says that it's okay. Yeah. So people will see anything they want. Yes, the blind guy saying people will see anything they want. Um, people will see anything they want. 
if they choose to. If they want to see it badly enough, they want to believe it badly enough, they will. Well, that's, and that leaves yeah, go ahead, a sorry. lot of concern. Yeah, a, a ton of concern. I mean, yeah. you point out that even a blind guy can say that. You say that as, as, as a member of that group. Um, because right and wrong are not seen by physical pupils. They're known exactly. by other ways. Yeah. Uh, some yeah. might say it's written on the heart. Uh, some might say there's a natural law. Some might say there's a common sense. None of that requires mm-hmm. any of the five senses, quite honestly. Right. And I, I, I liked your opening quote. Irving Crystal once said, for those who lack the will to see things as they truly are, there is nothing quite so mystifying as the obvious. But there is an mm-hmm. effort by the progressives to engage in what we sometimes call obscuritanism, obscuring, yeah. obfuscating, fuddling. Yeah. That's the word I like from... Um, from uh, from C.S. Lewis, screw tape, the screw tape letters. Uh, screw tape uh, tells Wormwood, do remember your task is to fuddle them. It's a great word, to confuse. And we are mm-hmm. in a confused time. It's made deliberately so. It's made deliberately oh, so. Oh, yes. Yes. If you can confuse and distract, in essence, distract people from what is true and what is right. That's correct. Then you've won half the battle because they're going to be going headlong in a different direction that doesn't ultimately doesn't construct anything it destructs and that's what that's what it's all about that's what marxism is all about i'll let george weigh in on this to the degree he would like to as well i mean i I think this is the i mean this is the bottom line right you can't have truth and demand so many things that the progressives demand whether or not it's things like with the transgender issue, things around how our children are educated. And, and again, we could spend mm-hmm. an entire hour literally just listing off the things. And so right. to necessitate their ability to further their interests in the public domain and in culture, they must deconstruct truth, yeah. right? We know that and, and we language. know that truth and language, there's a, almost a parallel system that's set up. And so it was almost her duty to do what she did to Larry yeah. Elders on that show because if she didn't, she would be assuming and allowing that narrative to stop and if they do at any point the entire thing would then fall apart so they almost have to they're way too far down the road to not continue it they have to continue it will never end her duty exactly it will never end it's true too larry and george isn't it? it 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 really does start with language we went through a thing on language earlier in the week and i was just thinking of it george in the context of what you were saying whether it's about the abortion debate or whether it's about the transgender debate um, language, it starts with language. Jesse Jackson, years ago, 1977, he was pro-life in those days, believe it or not. He wrote one of the most important pro-life essays ever written, and it was in the Human Life Review. And he made the point that it all starts with language. And he said, that's how we got to the word fetus, because once you take away the humanness of someone or something, you can then do whatever you want to it without a pang of conscience. He then went on to say, that's why they used the word slave, and that's why they used the word that begins with N that we won't say here. He put that all in his essay. He said, because once you can dehumanize something or someone— then you can do whatever you want to them. Or you make someone a number, right. or you make an entire category of people right. racists and bigots, right? right? That's it. Right. You dismantle right. anyone who has any sort of faith affiliation Belief as being beneath wrong. Di- All be- of it. Beneath dignity, intervention. Right. Exactly right. Exactly right. Right. If, if you're not 
if you're not up to the standard I set as far as your whatever way different, then I can ignore you as a person. That's right. The, the dehumanizing, that's exactly what it is. If you don't have to see that person as a worthwhile human being, and that doesn't mean you have to agree with them, but if I if I choose to look at someone and say, well, they're not, they're not human at the level I am, then how am I going to treat them other than that? That's, that's what's such a curiosity to me within the transgender movement, which is so radicalized down this road. CNN mm-hmm. did a story earlier in the week we spent some time on about these new pronouns mm-hmm. that are so darn confusing. You not mm-hmm. only have people that want these pronouns that are confusing that take away the human notion of obviously he, she, nature, but you now have human beings wanting to be known as – I didn't know this until I read the CNN article. It's a thing. Humans that want to be referred to by other common nouns like leaf. Have you heard about this? They yes. want to be called a leaf. They want to be called a star. It's it's one of the most odd things that people are self-dehumanizing. And it's also interesting to me that they're using the words, the nouns, to have an inherent meaning. They chose the word leaf because leaf must mean something, right? But why should leaf mean something? Why isn't leaf arbitrary? If he is arbitrary, if she is arbitrary, if a human is an arbitrary word, if the noun doesn't mean anything, why should leaf mean anything? This goes into such a vortex of relative nihilism that it's impossible to comprehend. But I'll tell you something. It makes civil society impossible. Because without common nouns, common language, common rationale, common reason, we have nothing. We have anarchy. Without a foundation. Yeah, you betcha. Yep. You betcha. You take away the traditions, the things that – and you and I talked just earlier, earlier in the week, Seth, and not all things of tradition were good, but plenty of them were. And you take those away, then you can – well, you're de- yeah, I mean, whether it's tradition or change. not, you know, it's nature. Whether it's tradition or right. not, it's nature. Whitaker well, Chambers. Yes, right. Whit- yeah. Whitaker Chambers uh, wrote in um, his book Witness. He said, "This Marxist faith to overcome nature is man's second oldest faith. We shall be as gods." That's the war against the real N word, nature, which means to beget, to give birth to. That's why you have neonatal wards. All right, Larry. Thank you, brother. George Kelloff, and I'll be right back. 602-5080-960. Well, welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 602-5080-960. George Kelloff is uh, our in-studio guest. He of Data Orbital and the Resolute Group. No better day to have, George, with all this breaking political news. You said there's some breaking news on Donald Trump and the debate stage of next week. Yes, he announced officially, which a lot of people a lot of people had assumed that he's not going to be at the debate and he's going to instead do a uh, a show with Tucker at that same time. So he's officially he's officially passing on it. (laughs) They each get what they want. Tucker gets to send a middle finger to Fox News, which is hosting the debate. And uh, Donald Trump, I said earlier, and I don't know if you and I discuss, I don't think we discussed this, George, and I don't know if you agree. I said, look, I'm obviously not advising Trump. I'm just not. Uh, I've I've never even met him. But um, if he were to ask me, should he participate on the debate, I would have said no. And the reason I would have said no is... First of all, he's in such a position of lead in the polls. He's leading so highly in the polls. He has nowhere really to go but down. And 
you know, let all the attention and bat swings be taken at his number two competitor, Ron DeSantis. Otherwise, if he's there, they all go after him. Ron DeSantis has a lot of weight on his shoulders for this debate because it's really his last effort to fire whatever's left in his arsenal to change some of these dynamics, some of these numbers. In my view, I know it's you and I have a uh, have different takes on 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 how much time we have left here uh, before we start voting and all that. But it just seems to me there comes to become a narrative that DeSantis can't really get to the 50 mile per hour mark here and that it's the debates that it will make it so if he performs well. And by Trump staying out, he leads, lets all the others take on DeSantis. So I would have just advised, I would have advised Trump not to do it, but I wonder what you would have said. I, uh, Seth, 100%. You agree. If, if you're, I mean, if your sole focus is, to, again, we're not looking at the macro and what's right. good for the party right, and good right, for this right, and good right, for that. Right. What's good, if I'm in Trump's position, 100% you don't debate because it only could go poorly. Right. At this point, because there is so much weight, which you and I have discussed, on Governor DeSantis to perform well at this debate, if President Trump's not there, it makes it exponentially harder, and it is outside of Governor DeSantis's control. It is purely in Trump's control. So why would he not then exert that influence that he has on this dynamic, make it harder for him? And frankly, what are we talking about? We're actually talking this week and right now about the surge in the polls for Vivek Ramaswamy. Yep. We're not talking about DeSantis's poll numbers and where they're at, only we're talking about them relative to the fact that he's dropping compared to Vivek Ramaswamy. So there's a lot of problems going into this debate. And I would say the, the uh, you know, what some call the, you know, in the, in the right-leaning uh, nonprofit space, the Overton window or the window of opportunity, whatever way that it's manifested itself throughout history in, in different depictions, it's closing even quicker than I think I had thought and expected it to, even though we're still far away from yep. the Iowa caucus. Yep. But... Similar to the to the debate, by the way, it is made very clear they're putting all their eggs in the basket of the Iowa caucus. Yeah, because this was the team that Ted that allowed Ted Cruz to win the Iowa caucus. But it's a very different dynamic than when Ted Cruz won it in 2016, when Donald Trump was a first time candidate that took some sale, uh, someone out of his sales, but then he was able to recover. Um, if if Governor DeSantis doesn't win Iowa, I don't know what happens afterwards for that campaign. I was just going to look up what the Iowa polling is right now. Um, If you'll bear with me while I do that, I want to point out uh, the keenness of George's mind when he walked in. I was saying uh, I was telling him about this story that uh, the team DeSantis had leaked his debate strategy memos uh, that ended up, uh, I think, first maybe in Axios and then the New York Times. And George's first question to me was, was it the pack? And I said, I think so. He goes, uh, well, that was a signal to the campaign. And we looked it up, and the first story of other analyses was the pack's leak as a message to the to the campaign. Do you want to tell us what's going on here, George, while yeah. I get the Iowa numbers? Absolutely. A 100-page memo. So you're, you're, this is not sort of like a one- or two-page white paper. A 100-page memo, including full polling and candidate profiles and strategy from the super pack was not just, by the way, leaked. It wasn't leaked by the Super PAC, which is amazing. And so for folks that know, sort of insiders, it was actually leaked by the firm, Jeff Rowe, who's the main uh, advisor for the Super PAC. His firm, Axiom, leaked it on their website. So it was very clear what was happening, right? So when a super PAC does something like that, because they deliberately our, put it on there. our campaign yeah. finance laws are such to not get super complicated, if if it's in the public domain, then the campaign can know what the super PAC is doing and vice versa. Okay. So the only way to give them this information legally is to make it publicly available to anyone, which is literally what they did. They put it publicly available on the website. But there's a lot of mixed analysis on if that is or is, or is not a good thing but uh but yeah that that is what happened and it was made very clear and, and this is by the way how not worried they are but very cognizant of vivek ramaswamy they are point three out of the four main points that they had yeah. number three was ensure that you hit him once yeah 
Yeah. Right. And then two was defend Donald Trump against one of Chris Christie's attacks. Three, make sure that you're highlighting, you know, certain positive. Right. Like like it was they laid it out super specifically. One of them was to uh, was to was to take a swipe at uh, Ramaswamy, which is interesting. And they used some hard language on it, too, if I'm not mistaken. But it is interesting because, you know, I can't imagine. Let me put it this way. I think it shows that there are a lot of problems at the DeSantis campaign. There have been which is obvious by the necessity of him to fire so many staffers and have a reset of the campaign that they publicly announced. Uh, Two rounds of firings, if I'm not mistaken. And if you're Ron DeSantis, you didn't want this. You didn't want this, whether it was a deliberate or a leak, whether it was a deliberate dissemination or a leak. You didn't want this. It shows to me that there's a real lack of leadership or control by DeSantis of his team. And, and frankly, I think in that same vein, it shows, and there was rumors of this that they dispelled, it shows, I don't know how it doesn't show, let me say it like this way, I don't know how it doesn't show that there's a very clear divide and a mistrust between those leading the super PAC and those leading the campaign. Mm-hmm. Why else would you put out your sensitive information, 100 pages worth of it, if you didn't think that the campaign was making a mistake? Well, that's a, well, a very good right. point, and advising the campaign exactly. and the candidate, which is not the PAC's job. Exactly, and that's what I'm saying. It may and not so even be legal. The reason why they're doing it right. is because the only way to do it legally is to put <laughs> it out to publicly. put it in the papers. And the only right. reason that you would take that level of a risk is if you were that frustrated with what you're seeing. Yes. I mean, that's a big, again, uh, there's a many problems. That's a huge problem if a vote of no confidence in the 100%. entire team of the campaign. And again, and this didn't go really talked about. This may have been a time when we had sort of – it was shortly after we had talked. He actually let go his campaign manager, which they swore they were going to stand by. Right. That was even outside of the rounds. That That's was right. like almost round three where it was a singular let go. Right. Uh, I can't remember her name, yep. but it was a woman and replaced yep. him, her with his longtime chief of staff. Which is odd in and of itself. You don't see that very often. That's what I'm saying. A, you don't see a governor's chief of staff usually become a campaign manager. And not for a presidential level, because usually presidential level, you work with individuals. Again, everyone has to have their first time. You know what I mean in terms of the first campaign. But you don't usually rise immediately to the level of campaign manager. You usually do deputy work or you work campaign management on a smaller campaign. Then you graduate. Here in this scenario, you go straight from very successful, albeit, campaign in Florida straight to, you know, to the national stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it shows there's some real problems over there. By the way, just for the curious, uh, the latest RCP average on uh, on uh, Iowa explicitly, and Iowa's always weird too, but uh, in polling and stuff, but it gives you the sense, uh, is Trump is at 54, DeSantis is at 14, and Ramaswamy is at 7, which is too close for comfort if you're Ron DeSantis. I want to talk about Vivek when we come back. I'm Seth. He's George. Feel free to give us a call, too, if you have questions. 602-508-0960. I see some people on deck. We'll get to you right after this. You're like Johnny Fever over there. It's really weird. This isn't WKRP. It's enough of that with your bell bottom. I said that. Why? Because now you're going to revenge? <laughs> George Kaloff is my guest. He's from... The Resolute Group, where he's the managing partner and the president of Data Orbital Consulting as well. And uh, I want to make another point about uh, Vivek and Ron DeSantis, George, but before, always the most important voices, the audiences. Let's go to uh, Steve in Tempe. Steve, you're on with me and George. Seth, how you doing? Hi, George. Hello. Hi. Uh, yeah, I just, Seth, regarding the the Trump campaign as it relates to DeSantis. And first of all, let me just 
make a make a side point here. I don't know what the deal is with these Florida governors. How they make such good how they're such good governors. But when it comes to the what's the, the deal? What's up camp, with the, I mean, what's up with being Florida governor? Amazing yeah, governors. Crazy. You're absolutely right. I'd never thought yeah, of it. Charlie Crist. Uh, um, Jeff, Jeff Bush, give me a break. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, but anyways, related to what's going on right now. Yeah. Trump absolutely a hundred percent made the right, made the right call not to participate in that debate because the fact of the matter is this thing's over. Well, he's the, he's the nominee. Um, when you've got a, when you've got DeSantis as far behind as he is, and I know uh, I've listened to your other guests that you had, uh, Brandon Weikert, who is still holding out hope that somehow, um, you know, DeSantis is going to revive himself and, and, and get to the point of where he can uh, get on Trump's level. That's not going to happen. It's I mean, so weird. I, I mean, it, you know, and George will make the case that there's some time and I'll let George weigh in in a second here, too, Steve. Yeah. But if you go to the real clear, real clear politics polls, don't look at the numbers. Look at the graph. It's just inches. It's just the distance between DeSantis and Trump are inches. Anyway, George, you, you, you and I aren't 100 percent on the same page on, on this point, but feel free to weigh I, yeah, in. The, the only want. still window that I that I see is because um, there there's a multiple state endeavor. And so the window I see is up until Iowa. I think the window goes to zero because I don't see that there's a chance because it's a very different dynamic than 2016. And unlike in the Democratic primary, it doesn't necessarily get better because we have a Nevada now. They're not doing a primary. They're doing a caucus, which is going to benefit President Trump. South Carolina is not going to be any different than Iowa. New Hampshire may be the one ray of light. And even there where the gap is closing and all that, it's still not because they're Chris Christie it's and Chris Vivek Christie, and, right. and DeSantis. I mean, it's like right. a, it's like five people that are in the high single digits, right. which is a huge problem. So I, it is a different dynamic, but I, I would say only because we haven't even gotten to the first one, he's not going to run out of money. This right. is not going to be like a Scott Walker thing where he runs out of right. money. The Super PAC has a significant amount of money. He can raise significant money. But if Iowa doesn't go his way or close, definitely if he doesn't get second place, there's absolutely no chance. If he's a strong second, potentially you get to New Hampshire if he outperforms. I mean, again, imagine a scenario where he loses, but he only loses by a percent or two. Yeah. That would change the entire dynamic of the race but there's a lot of what ifs there's a, there's lot, a lot of what ifs. ifs to get there yeah Steve. And, and seth, seth if Let, i can make a, yeah make a quick point too sure. the, the way i see it what, what trump has done is he's basically lowered the level of what's going to happen wednesday of all of those candidates uh, even further than it already is. I mean, we're, what we're going to be doing essentially next week is watching the JV team hmm. perform. That's interesting. And he's sitting he's sitting um, in a place where he's he's above it all, and you know he's you know just saying, okay, go ahead and do what you have to it's do. An but, interesting uh, perspective. Let's get, let's get yeah. serious after you know once we get into the you know once this is done, let's get serious and and get back on track. You know, it's it's essentially like a like a, like a fighter. I mean, you've got a you've got a fighter who's the who's a uh, got a championship belt, and and you've got other fighters that want to challenge him for that belt. Um, DeSantis has basically lost his opportunity to to have that fight with him. Basically, the way I see it. Well, what's the way in, it is what's right interesting now, to me, and I, I'll pick up on this with George on the other side of this break. Um, what's interesting to me a little bit about this is, I think. 
there are a few things I can be confident in saying about this race, except what I'm about to say, which is there is nothing that can come out about Trump, nothing that can be done to Trump, nothing he can do or say which will lower his support. This has been tested again and again and again. He is firmly set at least at 40 percent or more, no matter what. The real question is, what can any of them do to get anywhere near that? I'll let George respond on the other side, and there's room for more. 602-508-0960. Is that deliberate? Did you do that deliberately? Oh, yeah. (laughs) You're old enough to remember this, Mr. Kaloff? I like it. It's a great song. Yeah. Okay. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, which is fast becoming the David Dahl Show. Um, I think Steve had one more question. Steve, hi. Thanks. Yeah. Hi, Seth. Thanks. Thanks for letting me make a point. I it was it wasn't really a question, it was just a point I wanted to make. Yeah. It, you know, it it's unfortunate. Well, I, I like I said, I think Trump absolutely made the right, has made the right call in not showing up for the debate next week. But the unfortunate thing. Is that we're all we're all losing the entertainment value of what that debate is because without I mean without him there uh, I mean I would love to see him um, go face to face with yeah. DeSantis and yeah. and more importantly with uh, Mike Pence yeah. I would love to see him get into a discussion with Mike Pence about uh, a number of different issues and and you know but I don't, uh, yeah you and I. <laughs> It would be entertaining. It would be entertaining. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's good for the party. No, no, I, I understand <laughs> that. But I, like I said, the permanent entertainment value. Yeah, you know, you know enter- that that would. Yeah, happen. I'd like to and, see. Yes, of course, of course. And, and just and, like and I wanted goes, to see Hulk Hogan body slam Andre the Giant. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that goes back to my analogy about it being a pri- <laughs> you know the prize fight analogy yes. that I had yes. earlier. I mean, that's exactly what would uh, take place. But but no, I th- I think he's made the right decision for obvious reasons. I think his um you know, his his work up to this point to get where he's at right now is, you know, is done. Yeah. I mean, he's the 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 big debates coming up are going to be the important ones and um, him going there next week is not going to do him. It's not going to put him in any better of a position. Well, than Fox, he is, Fox right. is going to be in a panic. Thank you, Steve. Fox is going to be in a panic as to uh, as to their ratings versus what Tucker gets. It's going to be that's that's an, that's the more interesting dynamic. Not Trump versus or not versus uh, Chris Christie and Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy. It's going to be Fox versus Tucker on Twitter. That'll be interesting, George. Don't you think? I I liked your comparison. That that made me uh, <laughs> that made me chuckle. But uh, but I will say, and on a on a serious note on this, because I remember very distinctly where I was when I actually watched the first debate. That if you remember this in the reelection in 2020 between uh, President Trump and Biden. Yeah. And I remember laughing mm-hmm. considerably. Yep. But by the end of it, I also remember laughing in a super depressed way. Yeah, Why? Because I could. knew that the laughs that I was having there we're actually going to end up being exceptionally detrimental to the outcome. And obviously we know how all that played out. And so, yes, we, we want to, you know, politics is turning into a contact sport that is entertaining, but there's also could be uh, some very serious damage that lasts. And so uh, it probably is going to end up playing out better across the board if if it comes this way, because um, 
uh, we, we, we probably need a little less contact sport. We need to fight, uh, fight convictingly for our values, but we need to do it in a, in a certain, uh, certain way. I wanted to say something about Vivek and DeSantis, which is um, I've now watched Vivek Ramaswamy on a lot of different podcasts and interviews that were unfriendly, and he knew they were unfriendly going in. Some Republican, some lefty. The Republican one, for example, he did one for about an hour with uh, Candace Owens and one of Donald Trump's leading supporters and very skilled attorney goes by the Twitter handle DC Drano. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but very, very two Trump supporters to go after Ramaswamy on things he said in the past. That was the setup, and he went and he did it for an hour. And I've seen him do it with liberal stations and liberal podcasts. I've got to say, again, whether you agree with him or not, and there's things not to agree with him on. I have a lot of questions about his foreign policy positions, for example. But whether you agree with him or not, there's a credit he's getting there. Oh, yeah. And you know who won't do any of that? Ron DeSantis. It's not just, I mean, to me, whether it's with the media or otherwise, and I say this all the time about one of the measures of a, of a good leader. I should start writing these, uh, writing these things down. Yeah. Uh, one of the measures to me of a good leader is someone who addresses th- difficult things head on. Mm-hmm. And difficult things can come from a grassroots activist. Difficult things can come from a problem that arises, like if you're governor and you have COVID. Difficult things can come from the media. There's not a lot of people willing to just run into a burning building, right? right? Whatever that metaphor is for that situation, then come back out. And by the way, do it um, eloquently. And yeah, well. and walk out with your head held high, doing it That's the difference. Some people right? go in there and they don't know what the heck they're doing. Right, they, they get their getting... head chopped off. Vivek doesn't. Again, you can disagree, but he walks yes. out head posture straight. At a minimum, that will earn yep. a level of respect from individuals, even if they don't love everything that comes out of your mouth. He's attracting very interesting support. He's attracting interesting support. The, the reason why I saw the recent thing that he was talking about with CNN around some foreign policy issues yeah. is because Elon Musk responded mm. and saying that Ramaswamy is quickly rising in the polls. And he got a shout out in defense from... Uh, one of the big hedge fund guys, I can't remember the exact name, but one of the big uh, hedge fund guys. So he's getting some very interesting support and interesting money backers, not that he needs the money in the primary necessarily. Um, so there is a lot of credit there in the way that we do politics today. Um, but of course, it has to translate to policy depth. Of course That's the it does. Right? He it needs does. to continue to educate himself and to continue to grow in that education because it's no small feat to go from being a businessman to being the mm-hmm. president of the United States. At age 38. David, you had a question. There was a Brandon Weikert thesis you wanted to meet, me to run by, George? Yeah, that's right. What was it? Well, uh, there's a lot of talk recently about Vivek Ramaswamy, and uh, there is some speculation that he might be somewhat of a mockery candidate. A mockery say. candidate? Is that what you said? Uh, yeah, we, we recently had Brandon Weikert on, and he d- said that uh, Vivek Ramaswamy was something of a, of a mockery and that he perceived that he his candidacy was appealing to— uh, what maybe those on the leftward side of the political spectrum would look at as uh, caricatures of conservatives. Hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I don't follow that thoroughly. I have to say Vivek looks like he's in it to do as much as he can to win it, but I don't know. Yes, I, I think I, I would uh, – I don't know. I, I would agree and, and disagree. I'd, I'd, I disagree in large part because I do think he's in it to – You know, he's not doing it just for the sake of doing it. He's, he's staging a credible campaign. He's going to get on the debate stage. I don't think it's you can do that – very effectively right. if you're not taking it seriously. 
On the other hand, does he think he can win? So in this sense, and we've talked about this, he likely setting himself up for a secretary of treasury or commerce or one of these positions in a Trump White House, which is why he, frankly, has gone out of his way to be very glowing of President the Trump. The most of all of them, I think. Oh, yeah. I yeah. think the most of all of them. There's only two people that have gotten praise from President Trump, Vivek Ramaswamy and, interestingly enough, Senator Tim Scott. So they're the two running for vice president. That's my guess. It's, or or cabinet or high cabinet. Right. I mean, it's something like that. Right. Something that would really allow him yeah. to sort of uh, flex that. So, yeah, I, I don't know that it's a full character. I think that would that would be unfair to the campaign that he has run thus far. Uh, but again, clearly, the path is precarious. I mean, even and if he's yes, rising. it's a precarious, but more and more people are looking at it. Uh, OK, good. I have to take one more commercial break and George and I'll be right back. Mike and the Mechanics. Upbeat. I like it. You like it? Eeyore says it's upbeat. <laughs> we, <laughs> we've had a guest who will remain nameless but was on the show within the past two weeks who used to have the nickname Eeyore in town, but George has surpassed it, and, and George is our new Eeyore, for those of you that like A.A. A. Milne. Um, you think about the economy. You think about bank failure, stock market volatility, possible recession, inflation. What if you can invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. It's an investment in a portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. It's offered up by Y-Refi, where there are no fees in what they are offering, a secure collateralized portfolio that earns up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or call them at 888-Y-REFI-34. George Kalef has been our guest this hour. You want to try and work in one more quick call before we go? Let's do it. All right. Mike, you're on with George and me. Thanks for taking my call. I just have to tell you before I start, I'm a conservative. I'm not a MAGA in the tank Trump conservative, but I voted for him twice. But I just got in my truck and left my – I'm a 76-year-old contractor in Phoenix, been in business here since 69. I worked on Goldwater's campaign. I've watched everything. And I heard the statement made that Vivek was a mockery candidate, and it electrified me because I see what's going on out there. I deal with contractors every day. I deal with business people every day on the street. We have 5,500 clients in this valley. And I talk to everybody, and I want to tell you, Vivek, whether you call him a mockery candidate or not, is far from it. He's one of the only guys that can maybe show us the way out of this mess with some civility and some ability to listen to other people and other views and yet still espouse his view. I think he's much more than a mockery candidate. I think he's a powerful guy. Mike, and just to clarify, clarify, Mike, I don't think there's any disagreement from either side of the microphones here. It was a thesis that was floated by another analyst that we were taking down. Yeah, yeah, no, we we agree. Then then my bone is with the analyst. Okay, yes, 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 very good. We can all go into the next hour on a happy note. Yes, we're in fierce agreement. How's that? Fierce agreement. Thank you very much. You bet. Thank you, V. Thanks, Mike. Be well and have a blessed weekend. George, thanks for being with us this hour. Always good to be on until next time. You betcha. Uh, What are we doing in the next hour? That's right. We're going to get into a Sabbath mood with Rabbi Alush. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.